Hello, church. So good to see all of you this morning, and also for those of you online, we welcome you as well. I think it's such a joy to be part of this fellowship and to have this family to worship together and live together and encourage each other. And today we're going to look at a message from the Word of God from Jeremiah, chapter 32 and 33. And Jeremiah 32, verse 17, is the statement, nothing is too hard for God. And that's our topic today. Nothing is too hard for God. Do you believe that? So Jeremiah says, nothing's too hard for God. Then in Jeremiah 33, he'll say, here's how you put this into practice. There is nothing too hard for our God, and here's how you put it into practice. Now, there are several different scriptures that relate to this one throughout the Bible. In fact, just Lynn pointed to Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's a great one as well. But I'm going to look at three. Two of them that actually use this phrase and one that's in the ministry of Jesus. The first time this phrase, nothing is too hard for our God, is used in the story of Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 18. And I want you to see, I put this picture of an 89-year-old woman on the screen because oftentimes when we see pictures of Abraham and Sarah, we see the cartoon pictures, don't we? This is an 89-year-old woman. This was the age of Sarah. When she hears from God that she's going to have a child. Now, remember, Abraham and Sarah had come to this area some 25 years prior. They had left their hometown of Mesopotamia. Remember that? On the promise that God had given them that you're going to have a son. And from that son, there's going to be all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There's going to be numerous, numerous descendants. You can't even count them like the stars. You remember that? So now some 25 years have passed, and this promise has not been fulfilled. So Sarah overhears a conversation with the two angels that have come to visit Abraham and Sarah. And here's the conversation. Abraham is told by the angels that you and Sarah are going to have a child within the next year. When this 89-year-old lady hears this, she just laughs. That's absurd. What do you mean I'm going to have a baby a year from now? That, that, that just seems impossible. That just seems so hard to be done. Now, God hears Sarah laugh. Remember that? And so, now remember, Abraham laughed as well. Abraham doesn't get the attention, but Sarah does. Sarah laughs, and God says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? And here is the statement from God, a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will, if I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. So Sarah laughs at the assert, absurdity of it, just the impossibility of it. And the Lord says, why is she laughing? And ask a rhetorical question. Is anything too hard for God? Now, a rhetorical question is one, the answer is just so obvious. You shouldn't even have to ask the question, right? So the, the answer here is, of course nothing is too hard for God. Now, in your life and mine, has God ever done things that you just thought, well, that, that's not possible. You know, it just, that's just so crazy. And you kind of laugh because you walk by faith and you see God doing things you thought are so incredible. And we're like Sarah, aren't we? We kind of laugh about it. Is anything too hard for God? I think in the ministry of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus makes this incredible statement, right? With God, how many things are possible? 
See, all things are possible with God, right? In Matthew 19, 26. I always like to know the context. Why did Jesus make that statement, and when did he make that statement? He made this statement at a time when the disciples were so discouraged. The rich young ruler had showed up at a meeting with Jesus. Showed up and said, I want to follow after you. The disciples see this successful guy, the rich young ruler. Oh, man, this is going to be great. This guy has so much influence, right? He's going to be great for, for our message and method of what we're trying to do, ministry of what we're trying to do. And then... After speaking to Jesus for just a few minutes, the rich young ruler decides, I don't want to do this. I don't want to follow after this. This is just too hard. I'm not going to do it. And he walks away. The disciples, upon seeing this rich young ruler walk away, Jesus says to them, it is very hard for a person like this to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Meaning someone who is so self-reliant, so self-assured, it's very hard for a person like that to enter into the... In fact, it's impossible for a person like that to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard that, one of them says, well, if he can't make it, we can't make it either. If it's impossible for him, it has to be impossible for us. See how they're seeing life? To which Jesus then says, with people, it is at times impossible. But with God, what? All things are possible. God can save anyone. God can do things you cannot imagine as a human being. So nothing is too hard for God. With God, all things are possible. I love the word possibility, don't you? Possibility is powerful, isn't it? Possibility is unlimited. And God says, with me, all things are possible. Don't limit me. Nothing's too hard for God. All things are possible with God. And now we come to our text today in Jeremiah. Now, Zephaniah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Jeremiah were all giving words of God as prophets to Judah. 20 years prior to Judah being decimated by Babylon, Zephaniah is giving his prophecy. We looked at that last week. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Habakkuk, who's telling them to trust and obey some five to ten years before Judah is about to be destroyed and captured by Babylon. Jeremiah is now in the midst of it. He's seen the decimation of Babylon. He's seen what is happening to Judah. And it looks hopeless. It looks like everything is just going to go away and they cannot survive. And indeed, Judah is in a period that will last for 70 years. It's not a spring and a summer and a fall type crisis. This is a national crisis that will last for 70 years. Can you imagine that? In the midst of that, Jeremiah the prophet utters this praise, lifts up his voice to God. And I want you to hear what he says. Ah, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and outstretched arm, nothing is what? Too hard for you. It's the same phrase that God said to Sarah. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Answers, no. Jeremiah now, centuries later, says nothing is too hard for you. I love that, don't you? I love what he says here. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Now, I like in the Bible, anytime you see ah, Lord God, or ah, sovereign Lord, it is an expression of praise. It's an expression of faith. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. 
It's a matter of fact in scriptures that God is the creator of the heaven and earth. It's not refuted. It's not challenged. It's just a statement of fact. Who created the heavens and the earth? God did. Who formed it? It's a statement of fact. Now, why is that important? Because in the Bible, when it's stating other facts to us, oftentimes they'll say, well, this is a fact. How do you know it's a fact? Because God made the heavens and the earth. See, that, that's the evidence. For example, in Hebrews, the Hebrew writer says, did you know the Son of God and the throne of God is forever and ever? How do you know that the Son of God and the throne of God is forever and ever? Hebrew writer says, because God made the heavens and the earth. Another time in Hebrews, it says, did you know that God is rewarder of those who seek after him? That God rewards you if you have faith in him? How do you know that God rewards those who have faith? The Hebrew writer says, because by the word of God, he commanded and he formed the universe. When Paul was in Lystra, it says he preached the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do they know that this was the good news of Jesus Christ? How do they know that it was saving for them? Because Paul said, God made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. See, it's a matter of fact. Ah, sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth. To the Romans, Paul said, one day there's going to be a day of judgment. That God is going to judge the wickedness and the sin of this world and the godliness. How do you know that? Because Paul says, God made this plain to all in this creation of the world, so there is no excuse for sinfulness. Let me give you one more on this. So you get this idea, the sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Paul writes to the Corinthians, there are no other gods or goddesses. There are no such thing as idols. Now people may worship gods and goddesses, but they're fake. They're not real. How do we know that? Because there is no God but one, the Father, Paul says, from whom all things came and for whom we live. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Our God is not only sovereign, he's mighty, mighty to create the universe by his outstretched arm. You think about this, this beautiful creation. God creates it all, doesn't he? He's the one who's created all this. With his outstretched arms, the psalm says, with his fingers. It's a finger painting for him. It's not violent. It's beautiful. It's creative. And he, he does this for us. And in fact, it says in Isaiah chapter 40. I want you to see this verse 26. Here's how beautiful God has made the universe and why he made the universe. And the reason why he made the universe is for us to realize if he could make that, there's nothing too hard for him to do in our lives. So he says here, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great might and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Who created the stars? Who put them in their place? Who keeps them there? Who gave them their name? It's the Lord God Almighty. Not only that, he named all the constellations. Look at the book of Job. He's the one who names the constellations we have in the sky. He's the one who's put them there. He put his story in the constellations, his story of salvation that's in the constellation. Astrology has corrupted the good news message of astronomy. God has put in the stars for us to look up and see the beauty of that and say, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth with your outstretched arms. Nothing 
is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too hard for you. So we're to behold that and say that. And he says here, by your outstretched arms, your great power has been there. Nothing is too hard for you. Now, what does that mean to us today? What does it mean for us to say that nothing is too hard for God? I want to get practical here. Okay? There is no promise too hard for God to keep. There is no problem too hard for God to solve. There is no pandemic, especially as COVID-19, that is too large or too destructive for God to stop. There is no person too hard for God to save. There is no pain too hard for God to heal. And there is no prayer too hard for God to answer. Nothing is too hard for our God. So why do we make it so hard? Why do we limit God so much? If nothing is too hard to God, what is limiting God? Because God has unlimited power. He has told us he wants to use that in our life. The sovereign Lord. Nothing's too hard for God. Why do we limit his power? I've spent this past week pretty much on Folly Beach. Grandkids here. In fact, I've spent a lot of days on Folly Beach since Memorial Day. With all the kids and family and having a blast. My favorite view of Folly is sitting in my favorite chair and just looking out to the horizon. All the way around. Looking out some three miles to the horizon and seeing it. And just looking and saying, oh, so vast. And realizing that if I was on a higher hill, I could see maybe 12 miles out. But you look at that, it just looks like the earth just ends three miles at the horizon, right? Because that's as far as you can see. And you see it and you say, oh, that's so beautiful. But what we tend to do is that what we see is what we think that's all there is to it. But for those of you like Terry and others who travel the world and have been on the seas, you know that that ocean's a lot greater than three miles, right, Terry? <laughs> I mean, it's vast, vast universe we live in. But we tend to see things, what they are, and say that's all there is to it. We limit God. Did you know that the Hebrew word limit is the word horizon? We horizon God. I'll make horizon a verb. We, we look out and what we see, that's all we think God can do. And now God is telling there is nothing too hard for me to do. And yet all we look to is the horizon. Can't look past it. And we limit God. So our vision is what limits God. Uh, God said, my people perish for what? A lack of vision. They, they can't see it or they refuse to see it. Uh, Paul says, we're not to walk by sight, but to walk by faith. When you walk by sight, you can only see as far as the horizon. We horizon our God. We limit our God. We walk by faith. And it's such an incredible thing that we have to do. And when we don't walk by faith, when we limit our vision... We then limit what God can do and we don't see the possibilities. But man, when our vision is one of faith, and this is why I think Jesus just says it without any qualifiers. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, 
He picks the tiniest seed possible. He says, I'm just telling you, if you would just have the faith of a mustard seed, you would see things so much different. You would see the possibilities. And you would understand that nothing is too hard for your God. You got to have a different horizon. I think of Psalm 78 verse 41. When the people are in the desert. And here's specifically where the word limit is the word horizon in the Hebrew. How often in the desert they had spurned him. That's the people that God had rescued out of Egypt. Bringing them into the promised land, right? Leading them there. They're in the wilderness. How often they had spurned him. Tried his patience in those wilderness years. Time and again. They limited They horizon the Holy One of God. How many times in your life have you said, I just don't see how that's going to work out? I I just don't see how we get back to normal. I mean, how are we going to get all those people online to ever come back here to worship? Or how are we going to ever get our kids back into school? Or how are we going to have normal life again? I just don't see it happening. I don't see a plan. Hear it? Hear it? I don't see it. But I know one who does. I know one who's not at the least concerned about this situation. I know one that's not in the least worried about how this is going to work out. Because he knows all, he sees all. He's in charge of all. He's the sovereign Lord, right? Do you believe that nothing's too hard for God? We perish for a lack of vision. I don't see it. I don't see how it can work out. Instead of saying, I can't see how that's going to work out, or I don't see how that's possible, we should be saying, I can't see it, but I know who does, God. Nothing's too hard for my God. I'm going to trust him. I don't care what the politicians say or the medics say. Anything, I'm going to trust God. And I believe that God can work us through. So we horizon God through our vision. We horizon God, limit God by resisting him. By resistance. Jesus, in Matthew 23, on the way to the cross, comes into Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, murderers of prophets, killer of the ones who brought you God's news. That's not a very good way to start, right? (laughs) You're going to get their attention. But this is why he's talking about Jerusalem. Now listen to the next line. How often I have ached to embrace your children the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you wouldn't let me. Now, here is the God where nothing is too hard for him to do, who is absolutely limited and prevented from what he wants to do by the people being resistant to his call. Have you ever heard the doctrine of irresistible grace? Irresistible grace, it says, it doesn't matter what you do or who you are. If God calls you, you're going to be saved no matter what. It's a ridiculous doctrine to me. Because right here in this particular verse, what does Jesus want to do? He wants everyone to be gathered to him under his wing. He says, I would do this, but you wouldn't let me. There's some people you know that are resisting the will of God. Perhaps even in your life, you're you're, you're resisting where God is leading you in faith. And you have to say, you know what? I don't know. And maybe I can't see this. But I feel like I'm resisting the Lord. And I'm not going to, I'm going to stop resisting God. Because nothing's too hard for him. But we limit God by apathy. By our indifference. In Revelation 3 verse 20. Here's Jesus. 
to the Laodicean church, the church of the laid back, that's what I like to call them, right? the Laodiceans. They're apathetic, they're indifferent. They don't need a thing, got everything we need. And Jesus says, you don't have anything. You think you have everything, but you're blind to your condition. But Jesus says to them, I stand at the door, I knock. If you hear me, call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to you to supper with you. Now, Holland Hunt drew or was the artist of this particular drawing you're seeing here. Painting, rather. You're seeing on the screen. Look at the door. What is missing in that picture? And Holland Hunt did this deliberately. When you look at the picture of Jesus at the door, what is missing? Look at the door. The handle. There's no doorknob. There's no handle. The only way that that door can be opened is from the inside. Jesus knocks, but the door must be open from within. See, Jesus is knocking into your life. He wants to be in your life. But if you're apathetic and indifferent, he's not going to barge in. He's not going to open the door. You have to open the door of your heart to him. I love that painting, don't you? God, Jesus knocks. We must open. Now, here's another one. We limit God. We horizon God by our sin. By our sin. Now, this is so obvious in Isaiah 59, 1 through 12. The Lord's hand is not so short that he cannot save. God can save. His ear is so dull that he cannot hear. God still hears. But your iniquities, that's your sins, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You know the reason the Lord cannot save that person? The reason why the Lord does not hear certain prayers? It's because of our sin. The sin that gets in the way that, that limits God. So Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 32, verse 7, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So how do I do that practically? So let's just jump to Jeremiah 33, just a few verses later, and just go through these steps of how we access that power of God in our life. Here's Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So he's just said, nothing is too hard for God to do. So what do I need to do? He says, you need to ask. Call on me. Ask, and it will be given to you, Jesus says. Second thing he says is, I will answer you. So there's the promise. Call to me, and I will answer you. So I'll answer if you call. The third thing is the abundance of God. Notice. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Ask, answered, abundance. How abundant is God in answering your situation? Go to Paul in Ephesians 3 verse 20. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. Immeasurably more. Greater than we can imagine according to his promise. Now you see why Jeremiah 32 verse 17 is such a beautiful word. Nothing is too hard for our God. Call on him. He'll answer. And he'll meet it with abundance. I'll say it again. There's no, there's no promise too hard for God to keep. There's no problem too hard for God to solve. There's no pandemic too hard for God to stop. There is no person too hard for God to save. There is no pain too hard for God to heal. And there is absolutely no prayer too hard for God to answer. I hope you believe that. Nothing is too hard for our God. Amen? Well, I hope this lesson from Jeremiah has encouraged you today and strengthened your walk with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
If you need to respond in any way, if you're online with us today, we invite you to write to the email address on the screen or call the phone number on the screen Monday through Friday. Call that phone number and we'll answer you as soon as we can. If you're here this morning and you would like to respond in any way, please get with Larry or Ken or, or Dale, one of the elders, after worship today. And let's continue our worship today in song and communion and prayer.